as I outline this, <clears throat> these four verses, we see here that from 33, verse 33 to 34, the inscrutability of God, verse 35, the autonomy of God, God is self-governing. In verse 36, A, the sovereignty of God, and 36, B, the glory to God. How do we react when we get good news? What is our initial response? We shout, we skip, we dance, we wow, we bow, we cry. What, what do we do? And I guess it would vary from person to person. But in this text, in Romans 11, 36, 33, it came at the end of Paul's theological teachings from chapter 1 to chapter 11. And we're going to see how he arrived here. Because really, truly, this is a, a doxology, a hymn of praise, a short, condensed hymn of praise or worship. The deep doctrinal truths of Romans 1, chapter 1 to chapter 11, brings us to humble worship before our great God who planned our salvation so that we may be the praise of his glory and grace. The deep doctrinal truths of Romans chapter 1 to 11 brings us to this place where Paul, it was seen based on the telltale sign of verse 33. He has two exclamation marks in verse 33. And it gives one the impression that Paul became emotional. Paul, like he was in a state of wonder, of awe. I, I can imagine Paul bowing, in, maybe in tears, being awestruck by what he wrote from chapter 1 to 11. So he moved from doctrine, from theology, to doxology. I know theology is the study of God and doxology is the is praise. And that is what our study of the Word of God should do. The study of God, His attributes, His characteristics should move us to a place of worship. Should move us to a place of praise. A place where we, 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 oh, wow, God, this is you. Is it really? 
Am I getting it right? That is what the study of the word should do. Should take us to that place as it did for Apostle Paul. Anybody ever had that experience? Whenever I read this, I stop many times. Many times. And pause, take a break because something has happened to humanity. And we're going to see a little later. Something happened to us that our response could only be be on our knees and say, Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you. Father, I adore you for what you have done. In verse 33, Paul wrote, The riches of God, they are incomprehensible. It is beyond our imagination. The wisdom of God is also incomprehensible. He moved on to the judgment of God, His decree, His ways. Incomprehensible. Can't fathom it. You can only scratch the surface. And then, like I asked the question earlier, how Paul will reach to this point? What would have happened to cause him to all oh, the grace, their, their riches? What, what would have caused that? But to know what would have caused that, we have to do something. We have to look and reflect what he wrote about from chapter 1, right there. <clears throat> and that will give us some clues as how he reached this stage of worship, this stage of praise, where he said, God, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't comprehend you. I can, I am barely scratching the surface. Your, 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 your love is amazing. Your mercies are amazing. Lord, help me to understand. So we're going to take a brief look at what happened in the book of, of Romans. And we know that the theme of the book of Romans is righteousness by faith revealed in the gospel and that is um, chapter 1, 16 and, and 17 um, the, the, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel of God and we all know too well the text, text it says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for the Greeks and Jews and and for all those who believe, 
And Paul says, and I am not ashamed of it. Paul moves along in verse 20. Since creation, God's essence has been visible to all that are before, so all are before excuse. Because often it asks, well, if I, if I don't know, if, if a person in the jungle in Africa don't know about God, is he responsible? Yes, because God has revealed to him and to all of us through nature, through creation, who he is. Just look at the universe. We know that the, the, the sun can come thus far and no further. The seas can thus far and no further. The galaxies are there. There's no clashing of the stars. So God has designed this universe in such a way that we cannot say that there's no God. Paul went on in chapter 3, verse 9 and 12. He said that no one understands and no one seeks God. None is righteous. None at all is righteous. Bad news. None is righteous. None seek God. All have sinned and fall short of his glory. Really, really bad news. But here's the good news. From chapter 3, 21 down, from the 5, 21. Paul introduced justification by faith. God justifying his elect, his people, by faith. And he used Abraham <clears throat> as an example that Abraham was not declared racist because he was keeping it up or because he was a good man or because his family, he had a good upbringing? Not at all. Abraham was, was declared racist by God because he believed. Not because of any great acts that he would have done. And so too, we too, have declared, being declared racist, you've been justified by faith as well. Not by any good works, but by God's gift of faith, regeneration, that born again experience that God will bestow upon us. That's the good news. Then we move on to chapter 6, we talk about sanctification. We move on to chapter 8, we are no longer condemned. Because we are now in Christ. Then towards the end of, of um, 8, we talked about glorification. So you, you see the pattern here. And then from 9 to 11, talked about the about sovereign grace of God in choosing whosoever he will because of his mercies, because of his good pleasure. And he came now to the end of 11. So, a couple of things quickly. We see the bad news early 
you all have seen. Then, you've seen that God would have justified his elect. He will reconcile us. He has demonstrated his sovereign grace in choosing whoso, whoso he will by his good pleasure. And, and therefore, when he reaches point, Paul then bursts out in praise. He bursts in worship. Oh, could you imagine it? Could you, could you imagine when Paul, after coming to, to the end of, of, of that section, and said, wow, God, you are inscrutable. I cannot fathom how you have taken a people who were dead in their sin and you have made them righteous. How you have called a people not only Jews but Gentiles as well who were not your people and you have made them your people. You have justified them. You have made them righteous. Not because of anything that they have done, but because of your love. Because of your mercies. He was saying, Lord, you are the God and you are just incomprehensible. You are inscrutable, Lord. It just cannot, I just cannot follow, follow you all that you would have done. And then when we look at, if you look at in the first part of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, and, and, and Paul lists what God has done for us. He has blessed us in heavenly places. He has adopted us. We were like aliens not of the household of faith but he did a work in us he took out the stony heart and replaced the heart with a heart of flesh that we may respond to the gospel we couldn't respond to the gospel any other way because we were dead spiritually speaking and therefore couldn't respond to anything spiritually so God had to do a work in our lives. So 33, verse 33 to 36 is the response of Paul. His initial reaction when he reflect on the doctrines right down from 1 down to 11 and he bowed in worship. Amen? Now, when, when Paul says the wisdom of God here, he's talking about the infinite greatness of God that is contained in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The brilliance of God to design the gospel 
to rescue us, to rescue his people, to rescue his elect from eternal punishment. The wisdom of God is contained in the gospel of Jesus. In his active obedience, Christ kept the law faithfully. And for her behalf, we have become, we were lawbreakers, but who? But God, in his wisdom, could have, who but God, in his wisdom, wisdom could have designed this. It could have only been designed by God. Let's think of the cross. This substitutionary death of Jesus upon the cross. We see the wisdom of God. The transfer of our sin to the innocent Lamb of God who reconciled us to a holy God because it would have taken that. Who else could have designed that? That Jesus on the cross <clears throat> took our sin and impute or credited or give us his righteousness so that we can have fellowship with God. That's the gospel. No one else could have designed this plan of salvation. And, and, and I could imagine Paul considering all of this. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. Verse 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. We're talking about the, the wisdom of God. Remember Paul says, talking about the riches of the wisdom and knowledge. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. But that should be un, unto our good. In chapter 2, still 1 Corinthians, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. <clears throat> there is the wisdom of all. In first. Corinthians chapter 1 and you jump down to verse 18 for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God And verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, 
God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached. And Paul used foolishness there in a sarcastic way. It's foolishness to the world. But in reality, it's the sheer wisdom of God in the cross to save those who believe. And in verse 23, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews in a stumbling block. <clears throat> and to the Gentiles is foolishness. Verse 24. But to those who are the called sheep. Distinguish something here now. To the Jews stumbling block because they're looking for the Lord. They're looking for a sign. To the Gentiles, hmm, it's foolishness. Can't understand how this can happen. But to those who are called, those that that God would have called, summoned, reach out, change your heart, effectually call them, some Jews and some Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The inscrutable wisdom of God who planned our salvation before time in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I, 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 think, I, think, I, need to, I think I need to read this again. Let it just sink in. Verse 24. But to those who are the called, who are different, and God made them different. They didn't make themselves different. They couldn't have. Some were Jews, some were Greeks. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because here it is that the wisdom of God is wrapped up in Christ Jesus. They designed the plan for our salvation. This is the wisdom of God in the power of the cross. Because we see love on the cross for Jesus. This is the inscrutable wisdom of God who planned our salvation before time began. How can a man, how can humanity become righteous? That was a question that Luther struggled with. How can we become righteous? through the cross through justification through the gift of salvation by Christ not by our own works by the inscrutable wisdom and knowledge of God 
So, just imagine for a moment that you are wrestling with this. How, how can I become righteous? How can I, how can I be saved? How can I be sure that God has saved me? How can I be sure that my salvation is secured in Christ? Here's it. The inscrutable wisdom of God in Christ. Assurance. Because is there anything that we could have done to secure our salvation? Anything we could have done to secure righteousness because of who we are? Nothing. But it's the wisdom of God. That incomprehensible wisdom and knowledge of God that secures our salvation. And the only part that we played was to bring our sins to the table and cry for mercy. Repent and believe. Saints of God, I know that some persons struggle with this. Some persons believe that, you know, there is something that I had to do. There is something that would cause God to look upon me favorably. This maybe my grandmother was praying. Maybe she was. But that's the reason why God saved me. You know? Maybe maybe my family background. You know, I, I wasn't so bad after all. I, I know I was fairly alright. So God was impressed with me. I was I was a good boy. I was a good girl and he was impressed. And therefore he looked upon me favorably. Saints of all we know that that is not the gospel. You know that's not the gospel. So, then the book of Romans is studied and we come to understand justification by faith, sanctification, glorification, the sovereign grace of God. That God, out of His sovereignty, could do what God wants to do according to His good pleasure, not because of anything else. And when this hit home to us, you know, we can just bow and say, Father, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercies. I don't understand everything. I don't have to understand everything, but I need to have faith in you. Thank you for giving me the faith so that I can embrace these doctrines. Thank you for what you have done, what you have done. And in Philippians, we know it said that you know, the work that He has started in us, He is faithful to complete the work 
that he has started in us. Let us continue. So we see the, the wisdom of God, the inscrutable, incomprehensible wisdom of God that could have done only what God could have done. No one else could have done it. There's, any, there's no other philosophy or there's no philosophy that could have done that. Maybe the Greeks would think so because they're, 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 they were looking for something else. But as we, as we reflect on those doctrinal points in the book of Romans, it drives us to our knees. It drives us in praise. It drives us to worship. Amen? So, only the inscrutable God could have designed our salvation. Only the inscrutable God could have designed the cross. Only the inscrutable God could have sent Jesus Christ walk a perfect life. You know, passively went to the cross without any resistance and offered his life for us. So as we consider the, the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of God towards us in Christ, what happens? We see a God that is loving. We see a God that is graceful. We see a God that is merciful. These extraordinary doctrines of propitiation, and we know what that means. That is the the sacrifice of Christ that God accepts, that perfect sacrifice that God accepts on behalf of, of us. And we see regeneration, the born again experience, the adoption into the family of God. And therefore, it should overflow our hearts with gratitude. How unsearchable, this is the next part of the same verse, how unsearchable are his judgments. Let's just look a little bit at unsearchable. Unsearchable means that they're utterly incapable of being investigated. We, we cannot fully investigate the ways of God. We could just scratch the surface. And this part is really um, nailing them, the first part of the same verse. Because tell me, you, you, you are unsearchable, Lord. How unsearchable are you? So this is the magnitude of the love of God for us. And his judgments doesn't mean that it's not the judgment that we are cast into hell, but his decree. His, his, his ways, 
are on fathom, fathom. You cannot fathom his ways. You cannot fathom his decrees. And therefore, as <clears throat> we see here that from the, 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 the words that Paul used in describing the doctrines of grace, the words that Paul used to describe what God has done and is doing is like, as he said, all the deaths. Is like there's no end to his grace. There's no end to his love. There's no end to his mercy. Is not measurable. He said, all the death. You can't measure it. You know? You can't search it out. You can't fully grasp it. Because he is the inscrutable God. The God really that we cannot. Maybe we can only know what he has revealed to us. I, I think that um, this is going to be a part one. I am hoping that sometime I can invite you to part two. Um, because it's quite a bit to consume. Um, It's quite a bit to consume because the the thirty verse thirty six in it itself that's a, a two part message because it, it it is like a song like I said this this whole thing is a is a a doxology a song of praise that Paul is praising God for all that he has done. And as it, as it came, he came down to the end of it all. He said, from, from you, Lord. And then it to all things are from you. All things are through you. And all things are to you. Glory. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Um, so that in itself is a, a two-part message because as I said when we look at the, the four verses which is really and truly a, a, a hint and it can and it could be like it could be like this all the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God and and the chorus from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever amen how unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable his ways and come back to the to chorus line again for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and the next verse for who has known the mind of God but who can know the mind of God? Who can know the mind of God? Because from Him, after Him, and through Him are all things. So between between each verse is is verse thirty six as as a song 
of praise. So, saints of God, as we <clears throat> look at these four verses, as we look at this doxology, this hymn of praise, let us by application in our personal study of God's word. Study with the intention that it has to lead us to praise. It has to lead us to worship. Because in our study of the word of God, the word of God exposes who God is. And what is our response to who God is? Response of praise and worship. Thank you, Lord. So it's not only a matter of gathering information. It's not only a matter of uh, being, being able to recite all the stuff that we know. But it drives us in bringing glory and honor God out of the study that we will study. And therefore, as we study verse by verse by verse, the attributes of God are exposed. His characteristics are exposed. And our response is worship. So, as we look to, to him, and as Paul reflects on all that he would have, all he would have wrote from chapter 1 to chapter 11, and he would have exposed these doctrines that help us to understand how we are made righteous before a holy God, then our response could only be, Father, we thank you for our salvation because our salvation is from you. It is true, Lord, and it's to you. And glory belongs to you. For we are saved by grace alone. True faith alone in Christ alone. For the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen.